Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Psalm 85, verses 1 through 2 and 8 through 13. Lord, you were favorable to our land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people. You pardoned all their sin. Let me hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will seek peace to his people, for he is faithful to those who turn to him in their hearts. Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. Faithfulness will spring up from the ground, and righteousness will look down from the sky. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness will go before him and will make a path for his steps. Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 10. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, O Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you. And you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over the nations and over kingdoms, to pluck up and pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 through 26. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that took place over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. And they spoke the word to no one except Jews. But among them were some men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists also, proclaiming the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number became believers and turned to the Lord. News of this came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and saw the grace of God, he rejoiced, and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast devotion. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were brought to the Lord. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for an entire year they associated with the church and taught a great many people, and it was in Antioch that the disciples were first called Christians. Good morning and welcome to the ninth day of Advent. This is Brother Logan Isaac, broadcasting from Albany, Oregon. This morning's readings come to us from Psalm 85, Jeremiah uh, 1, and Acts 11. Um, It's it's noteworthy that in Antioch, um, in Acts 11, uh, Antioch is the place where the, uh, the... Jesus movement or the community first gained this name Christians, and I thought I'd talk about that because um, Antioch has uh, a 
reputation for coming up with nicknames, and um, not only in uh, for Christians, um, but uh, even uh, you know, kind of painted back um, onto the story of Jesus. Um, you know, we we it's it's a, a weird thing what we do with language, right? Jesus doesn't call himself a Christian. Um, he in Mark, the earliest gospel, he's very guarded about calling himself the Messiah, Christos in Greek. And he wouldn't have said Christos, he would have said something closer to Mashiach, which is Hebrew, but he spoke Aramaic. He was probably familiar with Hebrew, but he was much more likely to to read and speak Greek. And the Septuagint, which had been composed a couple, a century and a half or two centuries earlier. Um, But, you know, language gets kind of mixed up and jumbled, and language is a means to another end, right? And what I mean by that is that language is is only as useful as, as those who use it, who speak or write, and those who listen and read, because language is fluid; it changes over time. There's a de- there's an important distinction between the definition of word, which is how it is currently being used, and its etymology, which is where it came from. Um, and I say that because we live in an age, I think, where language is being exploited and being used for misdirection uh, and disinformation. Um, and so Christianos is a really important word. Uh, it's a, it's a, a amalgamation, a, a smashing together of Greek and Latin. The Greek, obviously, is Christos, where we get Christ, meaning Messiah, Masiach, the, the anointed one or the smeared one. And Mashiach, uh, the verb f- uh, root of Mashiach means to smear. Uh, it appears in Isaiah where um, warriors smear their their shields, the leather um, kind of uh, layer on their shield to keep it supple, to keep it from cracking, um, and to deflect you know sword strikes. Um, but it's just someone who's smeared in oil, or 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 someone who has had oil poured on them. And you hear again today the difference in English between anointment and appointment in Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah has been anointed or consecrated since birth, but then he is appointed uh, to go speak on God's behalf to to Israel and to the nations. Um, And so I'll throw a link in the show notes to my blog post on anointment and appointment. And you'll see that it talks more about kings and what does it mean, but uh, anointment was for priests and appointment is a political thing. So back to Christianos and Christos. Um, the Christian, the in the in the Greek or in the, the New Testament, it's Christianos. And I talked about the first part, Christos, which is the Greek. The the latter part of it, the the suffix, is actually Latin. The Ianos uh, in Latin is is used to uh, indicate something that derives from or is dependent upon or serves something else. And it very frequently had a derogatory meaning, uh, meaning a slave of someone. So like Logianos is someone who is my slave or something, right? Not always, but very frequently. And so calling someone a Christianos or Christiano um, was to say they are a slave or a servant or a follower, and not necessarily in a nice way, of the the smeared one, the dirtied one, the sullied one, which in the Hebraic imagination in the Old Testament, the Hebrew scriptures, 
was good. Remember, the goat was the one who carried away our sins. The crow was the one who was first released to probably look for carcasses and clean up the area before a nice dove went out and found dry land. Um, and the goat is more important to uh, festivals and feasts, you know, dirty, grungy, cantankerous goat. And the sheep or the, the baby sheep, the lamb, is used for these nice, sweet, Gentile kind of visions and, and symbology in the Johannine literature. But it's the dirtied ones. It's those who, uh, you know, take little care to uh, preen themselves and look good for everybody else. That is the heart of the Jesus movement. And I think Jesus' own life reflects that, right? He didn't take a wife. He didn't own land. He had very little. He talked about how he would travel from town to town and encourage his followers to do that, do the same. And so the reputation of Christians was these kind of uh, mendicants, right? And that's why a lot of later mendicant orders, monastic orders, uh, were founded on the, not necessarily the, the Pauline theology of the New Testament, but the, the messianic um, example in Jesus in the Gospels in particular. Um, and so that's why the, the imagery of a grunt is so important to me, because even within the military, the grunt is the dirtiest, lowest-ranking, most thankless person that gets shit done. And yet, the highest-ranking brass always is sure to try and align themselves with either being or coming from grunt status or being very open to and, and kind of congratulatory to grunts and the lowest-ranking people. And Jesus embodies that. I, the title of my third book, God is a Grunt and More Good News for GIs, follows out of that. Like if we think, if we are culturally aware with the military community and military families, and then we, we kind of import Jesus, this, his story, onto that, Jesus is a grunt. And not just because he is also God, who is called a warrior repeatedly in the Old Testament, um, but because the, that lowly status that even his mother Mary talked about. That is what it means to be a grunt, um, you know, kind of outside a military uh, culture lexicon. A grunt. If you look up grunt in the dictionary, it's just unglamorous, of low status, an unskilled worker. Um, in fact, grunts in the military are very skilled. They're highly trained, um, and they're these are the people who are most likely to be hurt and killed and sacrifice their lives if and when it it comes time, you know, for the, you know, the, the, the rubber to hit the road. So in Antioch um, is where we get this name, and it was not used very nicely. Um, and it's a good reminder to not think so highly of ourselves, to not think so lowly of others, but to consider ourselves, if we are like Christ, if we are servants of Christ, if we are Christianos, um, then it means we um, also bear witness to the kind of lifestyle that Christ exemplified. Um, and we carry that, that heritage inside ourselves and inside our own life stories. Wait, before we get to the prayer, I want to let my listeners know about my next project that's very daunting and kind of scary, but hopeful um, and uh, forward-looking. Uh, I am 
actively trying to launch a veteran bookstore in Lebanon, Oregon, about 20 minutes from where uh, my family now lives in Albany. And it's also the same city as one of just two state veterans homes in the state of Oregon. The chapter house, as I plan on calling it, will specialize in politics and religion, and it will also be kind of a, a headquarters or a hub for Pew Pew HQ and any high church lowlifes in the area. Lebanon is a very small rural city, um, and I want to open up a bookstore there, not just because the veterans are there, a number of veterans are there, but also because I, you know, I think that even uh, tiny rural communities like Lebanon deserve high quality, um, you know, service and products and goods. Um, but I need your help. Uh, I would love for you to check out um, my GoFundMe at GoFundMe.com slash chapter dash house. Uh, or anytime you go to PewPewHQ.com, there will be a window that pops up that will provide you a link to learn more about the chapter house and see what I'm doing. I haven't announced it like formally in my mind on social media or on my Substack yet because I'm still negotiating. And the location is really nice, um, but there's still some things that need to fall into place before I feel comfortable, you know, kind of committing publicly to it. I know I only, you know, have a really awesome but small handful of committed listeners to the podcast, and I wanted to let you all know first. Um, so I hope you'll check out pewpewhq.com and browse around until that pop-up opens or go directly to gofundme.com slash chapter dash house to learn more about this veteran-owned and operated bookstore I want to I wanna open. So anyway, back to the prayer and the outro. And again, if I haven't said it enough already, thank you for listening. Thank you for any support you're able to offer. And uh, keep trucking. Semper Fam. A prayer for the poor and neglected from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful God, we remember before you all poor and neglected persons whom it would be easy for us to forget. The homeless and the destitute, the old and the sick, and all who have none to care for them. Help us to heal those who are broken in body or spirit and to turn their sorrow into joy. Grant this, Father, for the love of your Son, who for our sake became poor, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for falling in to First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hardy folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast by clicking the link in the show notes. Or, if you serve military families, subscribe to First Forward, a paid subscription feed providing commentary on Sunday lectionary texts a week in advance. Use it for sermon prep or just because you support the troops. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instruction will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with PewPewHQ in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in an episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off of air. So there you have it, three ways to participate in First Formation. I hope you'll continue to listen even if I haven't convinced you to fall in.
This has been Brother Logan Isaac. Always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.